You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Week number 10 of the college football season and the whole gang is back together. And our whole gang here on the Friday edition of the Locked On College Football Podcast also back together. I am Ben Stevens, the host of Locked On Big Ten, joined as always by my co-host Patrick Kahn, the host of Locked On Longhorns. And during our first segment on the Friday edition, as he always is, Action Network's Colin Wilson breaking everything down, telling you where the smart money is for weekend number 10 of college football. And I say the whole gang is back together because we had the Mac enter the fray on Wednesday. We have the Pac-12 back in action this weekend as well. 22 of the AP polls, top 25 playing this weekend, four top 25 matchups. And Colin, we're getting going with, I think, the biggest game of the entire weekend. Number one, Clemson visiting South Bend and fourth-ranked Notre Dame. The Tigers, a five-and-a-half-point favorite, sans Trevor Lawrence, the over-under total, 51-and-a-half. What do you like in the game between the Tigers and the Irish that could decide the ACC? Yeah, I think it's important to talk about people's power ratings. What did you make the power rating after Trevor Lawrence was announced out? When he was announced out, you saw a six-point adjustment in the market, which I think is way too much because you have to consider what does Trevor Lawrence play with? He plays with five-star wide receivers, five-star running backs, and five-star offensive linemen. How much of a drop is it to another five-star quarterback? And we saw that with DJ Uigalele. Uh, there was really oh, no Hold drop. on a second. Let's go around and do a pronunciation test here about <laughs> DJ's last name because I've been practicing. I've been practicing hard. We heard Collins take. Now, Patrick, you go. Clemson quarterback. Yeah, there you go. I believe it is, according to the site, if I can get it right here, DJ O.E. Ungano. Oh, see, I just messed it up. O.E. Angulele. DJ O.E. Angulele. Boom. I'm, I'm making notes. O Regardless, e we know who he is. O.E. Angulele. O.E. Angulele. Bang, I think. But, so for DJ O.E. Angulele, uh, there was really no drop-off from a success rate standpoint when you look in the passing game. Now, there was a couple of passes in the beginning of that game that were, you know, you kind of wondered where he was going. But by the end of that game, he was zipping the ball around, hitting just completely accurate and in sync with everybody uh, on offense. You know, there was even the handoff to Travis Etienne that was up at the shoulder pads that caused that fumble. But once that got settled down and the Clemson defense, you know, figured out that they got to play some defense in the second half, they shut BC out, uh, you know, and they won that game just fine. So I don't think the drop off is really that much. That being said, I power rate this game at two. Uh, which is well below what the current number is out there for Notre Dame. So can I make a case for Notre Dame? Listen, if you listen to other people talk, they're going to sit there and tell you this narrative about how Brian Kelly can't get it done. Notre Dame doesn't have the athletes. Uh, they recruit from different areas of the country, and they just don't have what the SEC and what Clemson has. You're going to hear all of this negative energy that's surrounding Notre Dame. Now, I'm betting on this game, which means I don't care if Notre Dame wins or loses. I care if they cover the spread. If you look at Brian Kelly – Versus the top 10 since he took over as coach in 2010. When Notre Dame has been an underdog, they've been eight and three against the spread. So he may not be winning this games, but he's profitable. And during his era at Notre Dame against top 10 teams, that's not top 25, that's top 10 teams. So let's take, can we make a case for Notre Dame here? We absolutely can in the first half. Defensive tackle Tyler Davis is out, he's a starter. Uh, linebacker James Skalski, I always get that wrong, Skalski and Mike Jones are out. Now, you say that these are run stoppers, but really with that linebacker, of course, Skalski and Mike Jones, 
they are a massive, massive part of the pass defense. Uh, and, and I mean, we're talking the two highest graded players in all of their pass defense by PFF. Uh, and, and, you know, the thing is, is they don't give up a lot of extra yards to anybody catching the ball. They patrol that center very well. Jurgenvik had two explosive passes for, uh, for TDs at the, at the beginning of the game for Boston College. And I really think that's something that you have to look out for. Has offensive coordinator Tommy Reese for Notre Dame been playing a different playbook the entire season? Notre Dame right now is 65% rush on their offense. They haven't flashed the pass whatsoever. Uh, I think that they've been playing coy and been holding back. They've only had eight completions over 20 yards this entire season. From a defensive standpoint, I think Notre Dame can hang around. They're sixth in coverage grading for per PFF. Uh, they're you know just as good in finishing drives. They're third in the country in finishing drives. I think Notre Dame's going to open it up, and especially in the first half, without Xavier Thomas on that defensive line for Clemson for targeting, uh, without their biggest pieces in the middle of the field for the passing game, Ian Book is going to have success especially when he starts looking at hitting some of his options out of the backfield and getting plenty of yards after catch. So I'm taking Notre Dame plus three in the first half. Uh, I, I think once this thing gets a little bit lower, you can see some steam come in on Notre Dame today, uh, full game, you know, once they get Xavier Thomas back and they kind of figure out what the offensive game plan is Clemson may take over, but I definitely like the Irish in the first half. That's a, <clears throat> See, that's a tough one for me. I, I'm not real sure which way I'm leaning yet on that game. Uh, let's go to the SEC big matchup this weekend. You got Florida, Georgia, Kyle Trask versus that defense. Uh, Bennett Stetson, uh, can he can he get it done and keep the Georgia Bulldogs in line for a uh, SEC title game? Yeah, I, uh, listen, I, I'm going to go with Georgia here, and I'm going to take the minus three. I would stress trying to get the minus three if you got to pay minus one fifteen. Uh, to get the hook, that probably could be this kind of game, especially if Georgia plays it the way they want to play it, which is on the ground. What's the best way to keep Florida from scoring with that high-flying offense? Don't let them on the field. Don't let them on the field. So Georgia has the ability to keep Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask off the field if they just run the ball. Uh, you know, the uh, Florida defense has just been a disaster. They're 92nd in opponent third-down conversions. They're 101st again in opponent rushing success rate. And this is what's crazy. Florida's 97th in tackling. That's like UMass ranks. How, how does that how does that even exist from a Todd Grantham defense? Uh, you know, so Georgia's, uh, I think they're going to have plenty of success. Even without Richard LeCount, uh, their star guy in the secondary getting in a motorcycle accident, not going to be there. Uh, you know, here's the thing that I keep coming back to is the missed tackles. Florida's defense is 97th in tackling. Georgia's is third. Florida has seven players that have at least four missed tackles. Georgia has no players with four missed tackles or more. Uh, to me, this is a huge special teams issue. Georgia's third in the country in special teams. Florida's 53rd. There's just a lot of intangibles. I think Georgia's going to be running the ball. They're going to let Zamir White behind that huge offensive line, move the pile, take time off the clock, limit Florida possessions, and let field position and special teams take care of the rest world's largest cocktail party and you would think that gator defense with a head coach as energetic and willing to fight for his guys as dan mullen that maybe they'd be a little better at tackling but not so this year we got to finish with before we get to your locked on lock on byu's toughest test so far this season the ninth ranked cougars visit the blue field of boise idaho and take on the 21st ranked boise state team byu a three-point favorite the over under total 61 do you have a pick in here that you like 
Yeah, I think if you don't have the Action app downloaded, everybody should go and get that because once I put a play in, uh, once I bet my own hard-earned money on it, it gets logged in the Action Network app and that way it can get distributed to everybody. And this was a game where I took an over 58 and a half and it moved, you know, it, it's moved up to 61, 61 and a half because there's just so many things that I see here where there's going to be points on the board. Uh, these offenses, not fast at all. They're 80th and 68th in seconds per play. But Boise's defense is 87th against the explosive pass, and they're 88th in finishing drives. And what does that mean? Scoring opportunities past the 40-yard line. Boise's terrible. They allow everybody to score. And BYU is one of the best once they get past the 40 at putting points on the board. You look at BYU's offense, Gunnar Romney's full healthy. He's good to go. Uh, Zach Wilson should have a huge night. Uh, but, you know, if they're going to air it out, Boise's going to do the same. They had a backup quarterback come in against Air Force and throw, what, 85% and almost 300 yards and a, a, a trio of TDs. Uh, this is a huge revenge game for Boise. They feel the reason they didn't make the New Year's Six game is because of their loss to BYU last year. But, you know, I think the side is spot on with the number. But I decided, you know, I, I want the over in this game just for the fact that the one area you can attack BYU is that they're 58th and opponent pass expected points, which means they give up huge explosive passes against teams that shouldn't be doing it. We saw that's how Western Kentucky hung in the game. So I love the over in this game. Uh, you know, if BYU tries to keep it slow, Boise's going to amp up the the, the tempo, and, and then it's just going to be a shootout all night. Well, last week you went with West Virginia in the as the home favorite. I guess you'd call it an upset because Kansas State was ranked. Who are you going with this week in your locked-on lock of the week? I was prepared to come on and tell everybody about Illinois. Uh, I'm a little nervous when that comes out of my mouth. I get a little nervous. Uh, Minnesota. Yeah, I, but I'm going to tell you right now, from what I'm seeing from Minnesota's defense, we're talking all-time type, worst defense type stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to take Illinois plus seven. It's going to be in my betting portfolio and stick it in my back pocket. And for this podcast, I'll say the best bet is a game I've heavily invested in, which is Georgia minus three for everything that I said before. Uh, but I just wanted to get it out there that Illinois plus seven was right back there. It's a number I projected seven. Uh, it's just this Minnesota defense is some is something I the numbers on the page. I, I have to double check them. They're that bad. The Minnesota defense, the boat has sunk up in Minneapolis, and the Gophers will be without their defensive coordinator, Joe Rossi, who tested positive for COVID-19 on Thursday. They are dead last in the country. Out of every college football team that has played this year, dead last in the country in opponents' points per play so far this season. Minnesota's defense is god-awful. That is Big Ten Ben's take on it. As always, you got the takes and the smart money from Colin Wilson of Action Network. Always great stuff, Colin. Thank you for your picks. Thank you for your predictions for this upcoming Saturday slate. Thanks for having me, guys. So now that every major conference is back in college football, you're probably scrambling. How do I get in so many bets? You're on the go, go, go this week, trying to keep up with all the betting trends and everything you need to know for a full Saturday of college football. 22 of the top 25 teams in the country are playing on Saturday. But what does that mean? By the time you get to Saturday, you just get to chill out. You just get to sit back on your couch. You just get to unwind. And there's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that is Coors Light. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any college football team to just have a beer. And you can do that this Saturday because there are going to be so many options to choose from. Patrick, how many Coors Lights are you going to have this Saturday as you're watching all this college football play out on your television screen? How many can I fit in between 11 a.m. Central? Till after midnight because it's mm. it's pack 12 after dark is returning 
There's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot. But I'm going to grab the one beer that is made to chill, the official beer of watching your favorite college football and, and you know, watching your money lines this weekend. Definitely want to check it out. But the great thing is you don't have to go anywhere. Nope. You can get it brought right to you. All that cold refreshment. Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. Bringing that that mountain, mountain taste to you. But we want you to celebrate responsibly. And how do you do that? Go to get.coorslight.com. You can find out who can bring that beer right to you. And you can continue watching your college football this weekend. The second segment of your Friday Locked On College Football podcast getting you set for a full Saturday slate. The Pac-12 is back. Five of six games. Washington and Cal was canceled due to a COVID outbreak among that Bear football program, but still five Pac-12 games this weekend. Big 10 games, ACC games, SEC games, and of course the Big 12 as well. I am Ben Stevens, the host of Locked On Big 10 once again, joined by Patrick Kahn, the host of Locked On Longhorns. So that's start right there in Austin, Texas. 22nd ranked Texas pulling off the big upset last week against Oklahoma State in a great overtime game. Now they get to host West Virginia this upcoming Saturday. The Longhorns a six and a half point favorite as it stands right now. The over under total 55. You are the local expert host of Locked On Longhorns, Patrick Kahn. How do you see this game playing out? Uh, See, with this game, it's tough because you talk about we're looking for the letdown here. Mm Mm-hmm. You go on the road. You beat a top ten team on the road. That's the first time that that's happened since 2010, when the Mac Brown coach team played Iowa State the week after they beat number five Nebraska. Mm. They lost that football game to an unranked team. Oh, by the way, they were also number 22 in the country at that time, which they are now. If you look at the AP poll, spooky. There's. There is another storyline in here. The winning coach on the sideline, one of the winning coaches, I should say he was an assistant, offensive coordinator for the Iowa State Cyclones, one Tom Herman. Oh, my God. So all the storylines are here. All the storylines are here. This is a better defense than they played a week ago. They're a better tackling team. They got a better front, seven-ish, I guess you could say, because they played more of a 3-3 front. But that front six, they got the the Dante Darius steals. This is going to be Texas' biggest matchup. So you're looking for the issue here, and, and this is why I'm struggling with my pick this week is why I'm not making a pick. I'm going to take the over in this game. Um, I'm going to I'm going to go over in this game. I think it's combined 57, 58 points somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tom Herman, as a ranked team versus unranked opponents in the 18 games as head coach he's 11 and 7 mm. 7 is the most losses of any coach to an unranked team um, so that's why I'm kind of worried about this game but but I'll take the over in this one he's abstaining from picking the spread though but Patrick Kahn likes the Longhorns and the Mountaineers to go over that point total I see it at 55 I think it's been at 57 58 in other places as well will there be a letdown I don't necessarily think so in terms of the outright win of this game. I like Texas. I do think it's close, though, and West Virginia covers that six-and-a-half-point spread. West Virginia is 4-2 and two so far this year in Neil Brown's second year after going 5-7 and seven in 2019. There has been improvement. Jared Dagey has looked better throughout the progression of this season, but their only two losses have come on the road, and they haven't looked very good in those games. This one, of course, on the road at Texas this weekend. I think Texas wins. West Virginia covers another interesting game 
in the Big 12. Features two teams that both Texas and West Virginia played last week. We have the 14th-ranked Cowboys of Oklahoma State visiting Kansas State. Oklahoma State, 12.5-point favorite, the over-under total 46. I don't know if I have such a strong prediction for this one, but an interesting stat I did see about this game, Patrick. Oklahoma State has lost back-to-back games four times in the past two years. Under Mike Gundy, four times has Oklahoma State lost back-to-back games in the past two years. That's not good, especially for a ranked team that's looking to bounce back after being upset by Texas last week. Do you like anything in this game, either the spread or the total, between Kansas State and Oklahoma State? I like Oklahoma State covering this game. You know, I think I think it's a two-touchdown game for them. Uh, you know, Will Howard did not look great last week throwing the football through three interceptions. This is a really good defense. Um, unfortunately, their offense is what cost them the football game last week. I mean, they physically dominated Texas in every aspect of that football game, except for the fact they turned the ball over three times in the first half, once in the second half, gave up a, a kickoff return for a touchdown. And that's something that's going to be a key to watch if, Kansas State's return game can be what it has been in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. They can actually take advantage of that Oklahoma State coverage team. That's the only area that I really see. If if Spencer Sanders can can actually um, protect the football, I, I really like Oklahoma State in this. And Chuba Hubbard is looking to have a much better game. You have to think about this. The Texas defense last week held him to 2.5 yards per attempt. Um, so they bottled him up and basically said, you're going to have to beat us throwing the football to Tylen Wallace. I like Tylen Wallace on the outside in this game against, I mean, nobody's really proven that they can stop Tylen Wallace. And so that's why I'm going with Oklahoma state in this game by two touchdowns. There's a couple other games throughout the sec and the ACC that I think we can kind of round in only four sec games at in total this weekend, we talked about the world's largest cocktail party, the game between eighth-ranked Florida and fifth-ranked Georgia. Another one with a ranked team, seventh-ranked Texas A&M visits South Carolina. Texas A&M a 10-point favorite, the over-under total 59. Since A&M lost to Alabama in the second week of their season, three straight wins, 4-1 and one this year, a top-10 team. Do you like Texas A&M to continue that trend this week against the Gamecocks? Yeah, I think that they're trending in the right direction, and, and they're a team that I think – is starting to get some of that national recognition as far as college football playoff. Uh, if they can finish a nine and one, they could probably sneak in as that fourth team. Uh, if this weekend Florida can upset Georgia, I think that's going to be key. And then Texas A&M obviously beating Florida later on. Uh, right. I, I think it's I think it's a tough matchup for South Carolina uh, because the fact that this A&M team likes to run the football and they will continuously run the football. And then they use their passing game sparingly, kind of as a compliment to the run game. Uh, I just don't think that South Carolina has enough offense, uh, especially if they're going to try and run the football against this against that Texas A&M defense. South Carolina kind of put out its best effort in the upset over Auburn, and then from then it hasn't looked great for the Gamecocks. So I agree with you. I would lean Texas A&M here, and only a 10-point spread. Definitely lean an A&M as well. Another game in the ACC that comes tonight on Friday, 11th-ranked Miami visits North Carolina State. The Canes a 10.5-point favorite, the over-under total 59. Since that Miami loss to Clemson a couple of weeks ago that was big in primetime, Miami's kind of been forgotten about, but they are still five and one this season. Do you see this game going either which way between Miami or North Carolina state? As we look at the spread. No, I, I think Miami in this game, uh, Derek King is just, he's playing phenomenal. Uh, but you're right. They're kind of, since that loss, they've kind of been pushed to the wayside. They're probably the most under talked about top 12 team in the country. For uh, sure. I, mean, I, I, uh, I, I don't understand the, the, how they're still not in 
in the talks. I mean, yes, a loss to Clemson, but you know, Clemson, one of the top teams in the country, obviously number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I really like it the way that 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 team plays and that defense is, is aggressive. And, and I think they're really going to get after Beck's offense there at North Carolina state. Uh, you know, I think North Carolina state's going to be good down the road, but I think they're a year away at least. So I, you know, I'm going to stick with Miami in this game. We've saw, seen a lot of that talent at the quarterback position for the Wolfpack this year. And Devin Leary, Bailey Hawkman has now come in to fill in for the injured Leary and he's looked okay. Nothing great. I do think North Carolina State is able to keep this game close enough that they cover that 10.5-point spread. So I would like them as the dog, but I do think Miami could even win by 10, definitely by a touchdown. I just don't think they will be able to cover that 10.5-point spread. So one more segment coming your way on the Friday edition of the Locked On College Football Podcast. We got to talk about them. I'm not talking about the Big Ten, but we will discuss that. Pac-12 after dark is back this weekend. Also getting underway pretty early. Hashtag Pac-12 after brunch. We'll talk about those games after the break. We teased it before the break. We've said it from the very jump of this episode here on the Friday edition of the Locked On College Football Podcast, but the Pac-12 takes the field once again this weekend. Five out of six games because the Washington and Cal contest has been canceled, has been deemed a no contest, not the way the Pac-12 wanted to start out this year. But Patrick, as we've seen throughout all of college football, there will be postponements, there will be cancellations. But let's focus on the games that will be played this weekend in the Pac-12 and one of the best Pack 12 after brunch, the big noon kickoff, but 9 a.m. Pacific time, Arizona State visits the Coliseum in Los Angeles and takes on the 20th ranked USC Trojans, USC 10 and a half point favorites, the over under total 58 and a half. Pack 12 is back, baby. Let's talk about it. Arizona State. Why? Herm? No, because I don't trust Clay Helton and I don't trust USC. Uh, it's it's one of those things that they're one of those teams that every year we talk about and we jump on and they fall on their face and so that's why when i look at this yeah herm yeah but i think he's i think he's better than than clay helton straight straight up if you want my opinion on this i think that going but the 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 kicker is the kickoff time which team's going to be awake for this football game that's that's the big thing for me so ben i'll I'll turn it to you who's going to be awake for this football game at 9 a.m Pacific time as a man that hails from that very area in Los Angeles, a Pacific time zone. I can tell you 9 a.m. on a Saturday, especially for college kids, is going to be pretty tough. That makes their schedule like 530, 6 a.m. breakfast, really getting after it. I think both will be pretty hyped, though, for the season opener. You like Herm. What about your boy Graham Harrell, though, the offensive coordinator for the Trojans, former Texas Tech quarterback? Nah, okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, regardless, I think this comes down to the quarterback battle. USC's Keaton Slovis is back. A lot of hype surrounding him. And of course, Mm -hmm. Arizona State's Jaden Daniels, one of the stars from last year in 2019. As a freshman, Daniels threw for 2,943 yards, 17 touchdowns, only two interceptions, and then added on 355 yards on the ground and three touchdowns there as well. But I think Keaton Slovis in USC has more weapons. Amon Ross St. Brown, like Economius St. Brown's younger brother, if I said that correctly, regardless, Tyler Bonds and Drake London. He has some weapons on the outside to spread out the ball. I like USC to win and to cover the 10.5-point spread. I guess I'm buying into the Trojan hype. I don't really love USC, though. A lot of my friends went to USC. I know a lot of people that have USC ties. They're kind of annoying, especially out in California. But I guess I'm picking them here to start off Pac-12 play. And it's really hard to do a Pac-12 game because, obviously, we've seen nothing. Right. We, we know absolutely nothing about these teams. Right. It's, it's tough, but, you know, if they win this week, 
I'm probably more apt to buy in. Let's talk another big. Let's talk another Pac-12 game. Stanford, Oregon. What's it? Seven and a half. Seven and a half on that line. I see Oregon up to eleven. Where are you seeing seven and a half? Because you can get ah, seven man, and a half. Was, take that right now. Take that right now. Right. I'm gonna go ahead and put that in. I thought it was seven and a half. Maybe I'm wrong. Hmm. Maybe my notes are wrong. Maybe I just can't read my own handwriting. Who knows? It happens. Uh, I think I like Stanford in that eleven and a half. Really? Uh, and the reason, and and the only, it's because of the pace of play that they play at. You know, Stanford's more of that grinded out type. They're they're not so much the the high flying. They're not can, but but that's why I, that's the only reason I say that is will they get enough time, enough opportunity? But I know Oregon, high flying offense. They're they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna be running and gunning. Uh, that's why I I mean I still think 10, 10's good. If it's eleven and a half, I'll take that. Especially if it's seven and a half for Oregon. You would definitely, I would, I'd take the Ducks regardless. If the spread's at 11 or seven and a half, Oregon has obviously lost so much very publicly. Justin Herbert to the NFL, Penny Sewell, their stud left tackle has opted out as well. As long as three of their star defensive backs, Javon Holland, Thomas Graham Jr. And Brady Breeze all gone from this year's Oregon team, but they still return a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. That was pretty good last year. You don't think of Oregon in defense, but their defense was athletic, hard hitting, really solid last year for Mario Cristobal. Now they have a quarterback taking over in Tyler Shuck. He takes over for Justin Herbert. I still think they have the pieces offensively to be okay. Stanford also has lost a lot. Two of its best players opted out. They were just four and eight last year in 2019 where the Stanford Cardinal, I like Oregon. It's very tough to predict Pac-12 this weekend. That's why I don't think Colin Wilson dived into it very much because as we know, they only got back to practice in the state of California middle of last month. I mean, they were not allowed to even have team activities. You know, we had schools in the Big Ten that kept things going even while that season was on pause. The Pac-12 and a lot of parts of that conference were unable to do so. So we'll see what happens as they open up their year in 2020. That all comes on Saturday, the big noon kickoff, but 9 a.m. Pacific, Pac-12 after brunch, USC and Arizona State. Let's touch on the Big Ten as well. As Big Ten Ben, six games this weekend. Another cancellation, Wisconsin and Purdue will not be played. That will be deemed a no contest. Some exciting games for the Big Ten West race in Northwestern hosting Nebraska. But one I want to focus on here, a top 25 tilt, 23rd ranked Michigan visits 13th ranked Indiana. The Hoosiers unbeaten and at home, but still an underdog. Three and a half points. The Hoosiers are an underdog to the Wolverines who are coming off a huge upset loss last week in Ann Arbor to their rival Michigan State. What do you like in this game, Patrick? You know, I, I like Joe Milton in this game. I think that uh, I felt like maybe the game was too fast for him last week against the rivals because I didn't think he was seeing the field very well. I think a week of film study, a week on the practice field, I think they're much better. The big thing that I'm worried about is can Indiana throw the ball down the field against that Michigan defense because they really struggled with the deep ball against Michigan State. That's the thing that I'm looking at, but I, I will take Michigan to cover in this game uh, because of the quarterback play from Joe Milton. Michigan has beaten Indiana 24 straight times. The last time IU won, 1987, one of the most historic years in that Indiana football program. IU to my recollection, to my knowledge of diving back through the history books today, has never beaten both Penn State and Michigan in the same season because they've barely beaten both of them. They have a chance to pull that off through three weeks in 2020 and find themselves solidly in second place in the Big Ten East because nobody's catching Ohio State. I like Indiana this week as the home underdog, not only to cover, but to win outright because of a point you just brought up that I think is very astute. 
Michigan secondary got gashed last week by Rocky freaking Lombardi. No shot to him, but he's not exactly a stellar quarterback. And I think Indiana has one that's even more impressive. And Michael Penix Jr., who came back to life a little bit last week, obviously the heroics of the opener against Penn State, 238 yards, three touchdowns last week for Penix Jr. I used offense ninth in the country in points per play. They are starting to pick it up and get things rolling. I like Indiana this week to take advantage of a talented but very inexperienced Michigan secondary that got gashed last week against the Spartans. Give me IU as the home underdog. Sprinkle on that money line. All right, let's round it out here with our best bets of the weekend. I will keep it in. Our locked on locks, I should say, rather. Locked on locks. I will start because I'm staying in the Big Ten with a game also in that early window. Iowa versus Michigan State, the team we just talked about that pulled off the huge upset over Michigan. The Hawkeyes, winless so far this year, 0-2, but a a 6.5-point favorite at home. Iowa's offense has moved the ball well. They just haven't finished. They just haven't converted moving the ball into points. 101st in the country in points per play this season. Not great from the Hawkeyes, but they still do have some talent and a balanced running attack in Makai Sargent and Tyler Goodson. I expect Iowa to have more talent out there on Saturday. And although Michigan State pulled off a huge upset last week against Michigan, don't forget they also lost to Rutgers in the season opener. I think the Spartans will be okay. They're not a great team yet in the Big Ten East, and I still have confidence in the Iowa Hawkeyes. That is my locked-on lock of the week, Iowa, to cover a a six-and-a-half-point spread against Michigan State. Patrick Kahn, what is your locked-on lock? I am going to the Big 12 for my locked-on lock of the week. This week I am taking the Horned Frogs to Mm. cover against Texas Tech. They got a really good defense against a young quarterback who transferred from Utah State and Henry Columbia. Uh, David Yost offense – we saw it last week against Oklahoma, very predictable. Uh, after one drive, Oklahoma was able to pick it up. I think TCU is much better defensively than an Oklahoma football team, and they have some players on the back end, especially their safety combo. Uh, they got one of the best linebackers in Garrett Warlow. So I, I'm going to go with TCU in this one at minus nine is what I'm seeing. So I will take that. I will take that as my lock, TCU over Texas Tech. Patrick Collins locked on lock is TCU covering over Texas Tech. Mine is Iowa covering over Michigan State. Colin Wilson's of Action Networks was Georgia covering over Florida in the world's largest cocktail party. Also, additionally, BYU, Boise State, also take that over. I'm writing with Colin in that explanation as well. He is Patrick Kahn, the host of Locked On Longhorns. I am Ben Stevens, the host of Locked On Big Ten. Keep it locked here, though, to the Locked On College Football Podcast each and every day throughout the week and Monday. Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels will have the full recap of week number 10 of college football. Enjoy the weekend, folks. You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 